to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Friggin' Aaron Wiseman, and I am pumped to bring you not a fellow physician, but a fellow badass woman into your life. This is Kelly Thompson. She spent much of her life in corporate and now recently has shifted into the women's leadership space. Guys, I have learned so much from her. I am so elated to bring her to you. Let's get into it. Kelly Thompson talking about clarity. Oops, before we get into the show, got to pay some bills. So here's a quick message from MR Insurance, a small business that helps physicians with their disability insurance needs. Michael Ralvis is a CFP professional and insurance agent committed to helping physicians nationwide with their term life and disability insurance needs. He provides an objective, transparent, and education-focused process that aims to help physicians make prudent decisions and avoid overcomplicating things. Lord, we all need that in our life. He exclusively offers own occupation disability insurance policies for residents, fellows, and attending physicians. We like Michael and know he's got your best interests at heart when it comes to disability insurance. We know he'd be happy to help you with whatever your needs are. You can find out more about Michael at drpodcastnetwork.com backslash MR insurance or contact him at 1-800-817-4522. Welcome to the podcast, my friend and fellow masterminder, Kelly Thompson. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here with you too. All right. Well, tell the people out in the podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic that you are putting into the world. Awesome. I'm Kelly Thompson, and I am a leadership coach and speaker, and I help women leaders make impact in the rooms where decisions are made. But I haven't always been a leadership coach. In fact, I spent over 15 years in corporate America. So I did the whole corporate thing. I was a corporate leader. I played all the corporate games and did all the things. And then after I was a corporate leader, um, I worked in finance and I worked in technology. I actually worked for a best-selling author and traveled all over the country doing leadership training, but then decided I wanted to be my own boss. And so a couple of years ago, I made the leap and here I am. I'm married and I am the mother of a teenager, which is another podcast in and of itself. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, as bad as the little ages have been, oh my God, I am in for a shit storm because mine all will be teenagers together. I'll have three (laughs) teenagers. When middle school happens, you can give me a call. I will. I will 100% give you a call. Mm -hmm. And how we met is we both joined a year-long mastermind together, specifically for women coaches who are scaling and want to go higher. And it's been phenomenal. It has been phenomenal. And I think what's phenomenal about it is just, especially if you're in a male-dominated industry like medicine, like finance, like tech, It's so good to be with women who are like succeeding, who are talking about success, who are talking even about their fears, the things that they're uncomfortable with. It's such a safe environment that they just don't have in healthcare or, you know, some of the corporate world. So it's, it's so wonderful to see this in the entrepreneurship world. Yeah, it's been, it has been absolutely awesome because my experience when I was employed physician was, well, one, most of the women were nurses. So there wasn't really anybody kind of at my level. And then there were other female physicians, but it was almost like we had to be like pseudo men. 
and pretend we had penises to like fit. Yes, exactly. And I think that's such a pressure that women feel in the workplace. In fact, I felt it as a woman leader that I kind of had this maybe unconscious belief at the time. Now I recognize it that if I am going to be successful, I need to act more like fill in the blank. And fill in the blank was usually a male senior leader, CEO. I need to be more assertive. I need to learn how to play golf. I need to learn how to do all the things. And I think that that's such a pressure that we have is that there's one way to succeed. And oh, by the way, it's after all of these male type characteristics or expectations. And that's, we see that a lot still. Absolutely. And I, you, everybody listening will never fit into that mold. Mm -hmm. No matter how much we contort ourselves. I mean, I talk all the time about being a square peg in a round hole. I just, I was never going to fit. Exactly. And that's what I work with my clients on a lot is just talking about how powerful like your divine feminine energy is. And so, you know, when I'm working with women, I'm like, it's so tempting to just copy what's always been done because like, that's what people expect from you because there's always been men at the top because that's the hours that they choose to work. But there's something powerful about showing up as yourself. And there's something that only you can deliver. And the more you try to act like someone else, the more it diminishes your own value that you bring or your own leadership, but it takes a lot of courage. I mean, you and I can sit here and be like, oh, just act like yourself, but there's just so many underlying rules and messages that get in the way. Oh my God. It's so true. It is. And and I love, cause that's one of the things that you talk about is confidence and courage on your YouTube channel. By the way, everybody go check it out because I've been binging on it, but that's beside the point. It's easy to sit here, but it's harder to walk the talk. And I can honestly say that you walk the talk And I walk the talk, but that not everybody always sees the behind the scenes and the like crying on laying on your bed because you didn't get a big proposal that she put out there because you were yourself and you said, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to say what I want to say, not what you want me to say kind of thing. Recently, one of our sisters in the mastermind, you know, she got asked about some pretty personal views and that company then decided not to use her as a speaker. You know, and so as much as we want to like tote the like, yay woman flag, there still are penalties. There are penalties. And that's hard because I know one of the things, and here's the tension of that, right? I think it's like a both and. You talk a lot about burnout. And one of the things that I noticed in, in my own personal experience, in the experience of leading teams, is that a lot of the things that cause burnout is the constant pressure to conform. Like every day we show up and because we know that there could be a penalty for being yourself, I work harder to conform to someone else's expectations and I believe it's slowly killing us. Mm -hmm. I show up every day to talk a little bit more like I want somebody to talk. I might, you know, not raise my hand and share my opinion because I believe that there might be a penalty. But I think that the ultimate penalty at the end of the day is like our sanity. It's burnout. It's, I was just talking to a client this morning. She goes, you know what it is, Kelly? She goes, I feel like I'm slowly dying inside because I don't even just raise my hand as much as I should to say, can I have that project? Could you delegate this to me? You know, or just even asking for some of the work-life balance that they're looking for. And it is, it's just kind of slowly, I think, kills all of us to death. First in our spirit and I think then in our bodies. And I don't know what you've seen in the physician world. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent what it is. Like when you, when your job is slowly killing you and it is, it's like, I always describe my burnout felt like a fracturing of my soul. Mm -hmm. And like, there was no way the surgeon was going to put that back together again. And 
I think that's what was so healing about me was getting out and figuring like, oh, oh, I can be who I want to be. And like the whole world isn't like this. And I can show up exactly how I want to. And people actually like me. It's amazing. And I think that's why so many women are trending to the online entrepreneur space, are like throwing double middle fingers up and being like, no, I do what I want. And I'm I'm really glad for this trend because what we saw in medicine is, you know, it was all the private practices are being gobbled up by the hospital and the systems. I really think there's going to be an outward trend again. And I think it's going to be led by women because we're going to be like, F this, I'm out. You know, what's interesting too, is I think that we're already seeing that happen. In fact, now more than ever, and, and I see it because I work with corporate women, I've seen it with what you're doing with doctors and women in medicine, is their companies aren't offering this opportunity, whether it's for a specific leadership development program, whether it's for a, you know, a certain type of awareness or learning or growth or whatever they need. So you're exactly right. It's coming from the outside in. And so they're leaving their organization either for learning and development opportunities or just leaving it all together because their organization isn't offering something. And I wholeheartedly, well, the research shows that when organizations are more diverse at the top, they actually earn more revenue. In fact, I think the stat is that they have a 45% increase in income that comes from innovation. It is. And only 23% of women are senior executives. So something is going to have to give if they want to continue to compete at the level that they've been competing. And I think we see a lot of women going outside the organization, but there are some leaders in the space that are doing something about it. I just hope that they can, you know, continue that trend and it picks up pace. Well, and you and I've talked about this too, about how inside the organization, it's like you have to prove yourself over and over and over again and still get skipped over. Exactly. I was watching recently, I think one of my clients sent me a YouTube on Simon Sinek, and he was talking about, you know, most of the time, majority of the leaders are promoted because they were the most productive worker or employee, Mm -hmm. when in fact, those are the worst people to have in leadership positions. I'll have to put it in the show notes later on because it's an incredible video that he goes through and talks about. And I feel like that's exactly where a majority of women fall. No, we're not the most productive. We got to pick kids up from school. We got to drop somebody off of piano lessons. We got to do that thing. We got to coordinate with the housekeeper. Like we got to do all the other things. So there's no way we're going to be able to compete with the heavy horses who are pulling in major productivity. But like at the end of the day, who's the most compassionate? Who's the person that's got your back? Who's the one that goes around and checks on everyone? That's the type of leader that needs to be at the top. Well, and I would argue that they're measuring productivity wrong. Because if they said, who's the most productive, it would absolutely be women. Because see, we've got productivity time from nine to five or your 12-hour shift or whatever that is. Oh, but by the way, when you get home, your productivity doesn't stop. So if you want to look at productivity, right, women are actually probably the most productive. But the problem is, is they're selecting promotions based on workplace productivity. And it's just not sustainable. I love what Simon says as well, because, you know, they, they pick the most productive person. But one of the things I teach in my leadership programs is that when you are selected to be a leader, you are no longer rewarded based on your productivity. Because if you continue to stay that productive, a couple of things happen. One, you don't delegate because your ego loves that reward. You know, and this is just a thing, right? Ever since we were little kids, 
we are rewarded based on how productive we are. Oh my gosh, Aaron, look how much you got done. You did such a great job. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is how I get all my ego rewards. I got a great grade or got this done. But when you're a leader, your job is now, how much can I get done through other people? And that is a huge identity shift that a lot of great leaders fail to make. And I think one of the reasons why they get so burnt out is they continue to hoard all the work because that's how they feel good about themselves. Instead of shifting their identity to say, it's not about how much I do, it's how great my team. It's, you know, how much I can, you know, call my team up, how much I can develop my team to do these things. But when I hoard that, I rob them of the ability to one, contribute their gifts, solve problems, and I burn myself out too. Absolutely. Well, that was the like longest intro we've ever done, but that's okay. Hey, here. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your word today, which is clarity. I know you shared with me that that is your word of the year. My word of the year is ease, by the way. But tell us a little bit more about Clarity, why you picked it for the year and how it shows up in you. Sounds good. So I do a word of the year every year. Last year, my word of the year was align, which I am sorry to the universe, but that did not show up like I thought it would. In fact, when I chose the word align, I think the universe said like, haha, we're going to show you everything that isn't in alignment (laughs) with what you need because it all just blew up. So much, much like everybody else. But one of the things I started to notice, especially as I was running a business and as especially as I was, had some really big goals for myself was that one thing that was hardest for me was to be clear. And that sounds kind of strange, but I think that there's something about the word clarity that's really vulnerable because I think it's really hard to be clear with someone about what we need. I think it's really hard to be clear with someone about our expectation. I think it's hard to be clear with someone because it feels scary to look someone and say, I think I want to quit my job and go do my own business. It's scary to even say out loud, I want to make $300,000 this year. That feels vulnerable because it's like, oh, what if I fail? You know what else feels vulnerable when you run a business? Saying exactly who you work with and who you don't work. Because that sort of clarity kind of like just bubbles up and maybe it's a woman thing like, oh, but what about all the people I'm leaving out by saying that I don't work with those people? I only work with you know women leaders. What about all the men? Are they going to be offended? And so just everything about the word clarity felt scary to me. And so that's how I knew that that's what my word of the year needed to be was clarity because I also kind of discovered like this counterintuitive truth that the more clear I got, the more successful I was, the more clear I got, the happier I was. And the more clear I got, the more money I made. Because when you're clear, it's kind of like a magnet. People know what to do with you. The universe knows what to do with you when you're super clear. And so am I perfect at it? Um, no, only every day. Like I'm unclear about things that I feel vulnerable or nervous about, but it's like my lesson this year. And my mantra is success loves clarity. And I think the more clear you can be, the more success you can have, whether it's happiness, work-life balance, money, job, whatever it is. So when you first told me the word clarity, I was thinking about like water and when it's clear, it's beautiful because you can see to the bottom, but you can see to the bottom. So like if there's trash and an old tire and a boot down there, you see that. (laughs) Or if it's like you're somewhere tropical and there's a tiger shark underneath of you, like you see that. There's no hiding. Is the tiger shark. If I tell somebody the tiger shark is going to get me like, yeah, I know. Absolutely. And isn't it funny how we like sometimes want to hide behind to be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not clear yet. Or, oh, maybe. When you have clarity, it calls bullshit on your excuses. It's so true. I actually just got off a webinar with a bunch of women leaders about this exact topic. 
And one of the things that came up is they said, you know what, not being clear just allows me to hide at work. Because when I'm not clear, then I don't have to put myself out there. When I'm not clear about sharing my ideas, then I can just sit over here in my little corner and do my work and be unbothered. And my ego just doesn't ever get touched or, you know, feathers ruffled, that sort of thing. So So talk about this a little bit from the corporate space, because I get pushback all the time when I come in as a physician coach doing well-being work, and I say specialize in women, people always get their damn feathers so fluffed up about like, well, what about the men? And I'm like, what about the men? I seriously, I got called to the carpet and told that I was promoting too much for female physicians within my organization by trying to provide them with wellness resources. So tell me about this, Miss Corporate. I have thoughts. Would you like to hear them? I would. Okay. So when people say, why do you focus so much on women? Why do we need women's employee resource groups? In fact, I will just tell you that one of the largest hospitals, Kaiser, has a best practice women's employee resource group. So I know that they work and they have, I've seen their results. But why do we need this? Like we don't have anything for men. So here's my answer to that. I think that the difference is, is that men have always had a room. Men have always been in the rooms where decisions are made by the nature that that is just the way that our society has been structured. Men are in positions of leadership. Men are on the board of directors. Men are traditionally in the senior leadership teams. Not until like the late 1970s and early 80s did you actually start to see women in these positions. And oftentimes, and still, it's not uncommon to see women there, but they're the token HR person who happens to be a woman who happens to be on the board. It is not that common to see women there. The policies and procedures are designed for men. The decisions are made by men through the lens of a man. Even in our government with the policies, the people who sit on like the governing boards, they're primarily men. So men have always been in the room. They've always had this natural mentorship because they would come to a meeting room and they would look around and they would see other men. But women just haven't had that. They can't go into a room and look around and think to themselves, oh, there's going to be a bunch of other women in here. And I'm going to feel like I belong, or I'm going to look like I'm going to get some mentorship or to see, you know, what great leadership looks like as a woman. We just haven't had that. And so I always say that, you know, men have always had a room, whether it be on the golf course, at the bar after work, or in the meeting rooms. And that's why it's so important to provide these, you know, places for women because imposter syndrome is a real thing. It was coined in 1978 by Pauline Imes. And it's just this feeling that you're going to be found out as a fraud. And in fact, the research that they did in 1978 was very high achieving women, doctors, PhDs, MBAs, like, you know, women who have achieved a ton. And what they found was that even though they had all of these credentials and achievements, they still felt like they were going to be found out that they were a fraud or that everything that they achieved was just luck and that they didn't really kind of earn their accomplishments. And it was just a fluke and that they didn't belong in those rooms. And what they found is because Lots of times we've never seen ourselves. And so that's why imposter syndrome shows up. And that's why it is such a thing is to help women. And now, especially people of color, they see it in women and people of color because we don't see ourselves represented. That's why a focus on these things is important so that we can raise voices of women and people of color 
so that companies can be more diverse, so they can earn more money, so they can deliver better patient care, better customer outcomes, whatever that looks for them. I love that so much. And I know that you really do focus on helping women get into the rooms where decisions are made. But I know you also have the stance too, that it's not just enough to like be an ass in the seat in the room. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I have this little card. Actually, it's from our coach. And I know you can't see it, but it says WWRBGD. So what would RBG do? So I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she says that women belong in all places where decisions are made. And I agree with her, but that's just not enough. So when I was in banking, very male dominated industry, there were times that I, I know healthcare has to do that too, where you sit in like these all day meetings, right? And you're going around and around and you're talking about strategy and you're like, oh my gosh, when's the next break? I was so annoyed. And I remember I was just kind of just done with this meeting. And I was like, okay, when's the bathroom break? Get a bathroom break. I'm sitting in the bathroom stall and I'm just annoyed. Why am I so annoyed? And what I realized, I was like, it's the same people talking. We're hearing from the same people over and over again, saying the same things, beating a dead horse. And I was like, oh, and you know what? These people are mostly men. And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, is there more men than women in this room? And I'm like, you know what? There's not, you know, maybe at the senior leadership level, there was mostly men, but the room really was split 50, 50. And so then I was like, well, why don't these women speak up? (laughs) You know? And then I kind of just like heard this voice in the bathroom stall. It was kind of like, well, you could speak up. And I'm like, I'm not going to speak up. So did I go back in and just make a bunch of impact? No, I didn't. I had my own imposter syndrome work. I had to get through at that point. But what I left with that day was it's not just enough for women to be in the room. Women need to know how to make impact in the rooms where decisions are made. It's not just enough to put your token woman or you know whatever that looks like for you in the room. Women have to know how to make impact. People have to like allow women to make impact. And I think that comes back to the things we were talking about with just imposter syndrome, learning how to boost your confidence, learning how to develop the skills to make that impact in the rooms that matter, because that's what causes real change. And being a person in a warm seat and looking good is great, but you have to learn how to advocate. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're doing in your coaching and in your group. So talk a little bit about that, because I think that You know, a lot of times there are quote unquote leadership opportunities for us as physician leaders, they tell us, but so many people don't take those opportunities because they feel ill-equipped. And so I am like laying you in their hands right now to be like, go to Kelly, go to Kelly. Like she will show you (laughs) how to like, and that's what I love about you. You're not going to say this is how you need to be a doctor leader. No, this is just how you need to show up to be a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I firmly believe that at the end of the day, somebody is counting on your unique calling. And if I tried to show up in the world like Aaron, I would feel miserably because I'm I'm a horrible impression of you and vice versa, right? So when I work with women, when women come to me, the first place we start is on removing everything that's in the way of your unique self. I love the Rumi poem where he says, you wander from room to room hunting for the diamond necklace that's already around your neck. And I think that is like so telling of what women are doing is they're hunting for something else. I need to be someone else. I need to act like someone else. I'm going to come to Kelly's class and she's going to teach me how to be a certain way, but we actually do the opposite. We come and we figure out what is your purpose? 
what are your values? Like, let's clear out all the crap and all the rules and messages that you've been taught by well-meaning parents who were doing the best they could, society, former leaders, former teachers, all the things. Let's just clear out all the junk, all the rules, and let's figure out who you are at your essential self. And one of the things we're really working on is something that we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, which is how do I choose confidence over conformity? How do I align with my values and say yes to what's meaningful to me? and what's right for me, and what feels good for me? How do I learn to advocate in those rooms in alignment with my value system so that I'm not only speaking up, but I feel good about it? Like, what's my zone of genius? How do I make sure that I'm doing projects in alignment at work with my zone of genius? Say yes to more of those and no to the crap that's burning me out. Another thing that we work a lot on is imposter syndrome, confidence, mindset, all the things. But I also teach women, and this is probably another podcast, Erin, but that their body is trustworthy. Bingo. Bingo. I think what we've all been taught as women is that our body is like not our own and we shouldn't trust it because we're too fat, too skinny, too pretty, too ugly, too provocative. You know, people have opinions on how we dress and we're always trying to morph our bodies into something that somebody else wants or they think is, you know, appropriate. But our bodies contain so much wisdom in terms of like, and you know this as a physician, all the neurons and nerves and everything that runs through our body. And so I actually teach women to connect with their bodies to help them know that their still small voice and their intuition has all the clarity they're ever going to need to make really confident decisions for themselves, to lead their teams and to make the right decisions for their teams. And then just how to pull this all together and really take brave next steps so they can lead with more confidence and create a career they love. I, I love it. I love all of it. That's why I've been binging on YouTube videos. <laughs> Well, tell a little bit about your seven-day event that you've got going on and um, all that goodness. So on March 23rd is actually the start of my next group program. So March 23rd, I run this twice a year. It's called the Clarity and Confidence Leadership Masterclass. And it's a seven-week women's leadership masterclass. And we focus on exactly what I just talked about. So we talk about how to define your leadership style how to boost your confidence, overcome imposter syndrome, and really make your unique impact in the rooms where decisions are made. Not what you think someone else wants, but really try to like hone in on what makes you unique and how do you bring that to the table in every interaction, how to trust yourself, and then how to move forward with a lot of courage and confidence. So that's March 23rd. It's seven weeks. It's all online. And then they get a one-on-one coaching session with me as well, which is always fun. It is so fun. Well, friend, thank you so much for coming on the podcast for like just dropping so many truth bombs on our head and for the work that you're doing in the world. Oh, thank you. Likewise. I think that there's a lot of overlap and I hope we can save all the women from burnout, bad jobs and doing things they don't love. Bullshit. Bullshit. Burnout, bad burnout, jobs, and bullshit. Bad jobs and bullshit. <laughs> Every badass woman needs a tribe. After everything we deal with during the work week and in our home life and within ourselves, we all deserve a place to recharge, relax, and talk to people who really get us. The Burnt Out to Badass group is a place where you can show up as yourself. You'll get encouragement and coaching on your unique situation and an occasional kick in the butt to get you unstuck as well. We are beating burnout together. This is the third cohort. It's starting February 21st. And if you have been thinking about it, now is the time to act. 
Check the show notes for the link, get your booty signed up, and hold on because it is going to be a wild ride to move you from a place of burnout, desperation, and despair into a life and practice that you absolutely fucking love. It's not just enough to be in the room. Those words have stuck with me, Kelly, since we've had this conversation in the recording and following along with everything that you're doing. I think for so long, that was my whole MO. Like, I wanted a seat at the table. I wanted to be there. But in fact, that is not enough. You are 100% right. It is not enough to just be in the room and just be taking up space and using oxygen. We have to stand up We have to start learning the skills. We have to start stepping into that leadership role because we know it's not just a leaky pipeline for women in medicine to transform into leadership. It is like a gaping hole that we are all falling out of. There are so few women in leadership positions, be it from a CMO position, a VP, a CEO position, deans of medical schools, program directors of residency and fellowship programs. We must get in the places that decisions are made. And Kelly, I am just going to fly on your coattails because I love everything that you're putting out on LinkedIn and Instagram. It's absolutely great. So my friends who are out there listening and you've been like toying with the idea of like, "Mm -mm -mm, maybe I'm a leader. People say that I speak up and say things. You are. You are a leader. And your voice, your voice has a place to be heard. If we want more equity, if we want to shift the culture of medicine, we are going to have to stand on the shoulders of giants and start yelling into the wind. Who's with me? Well, that's your kick of encouragement today. Before we wrap this up totally, don't forget to reach out to MR Insurance Consultants, where their goal is to assist physicians in obtaining the most comprehensive coverage available to meet their unique situation. Reach out for both excellent and quality service at drpodcastnetwork.com backslash MR insurance. And friend, as always, never forget it. Your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Tonight. 